0: Hi, you're listening to Trendy Lobotomy Podcast. My name is Tori. I'm Christy. And we got more stories.
1: Uh Tori gets to go first today. I
0: do get to go first. Do you want me to do the thing beforehand? Yeah. Wow, I am full of descriptors (laughs) today, guys. Um, Tori has all the words today. I do. Um, There's like three.
1: Do you want me to do the thing beforehand? Yeah, you do the thing beforehand. You can find us. At oh my God, trendy Lobotomy pod <laughs> on Facebook and Instagram. You can email us stories at lobotomy podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Please send us your stories. Please. We also have a patreon. You can go there and for less than a cup of coffee a month, you can help us pay for this hobby that we have <laughs> and <laughs> true. And uh, yeah, you get a sticker, a shout out. And early release stuff, fun stuff like that. Yep,
0: I think that's. Oh, and at Twitter at Trendy Pod, we don't talk. But about it. but Twitter has gone. We don't talk weird. about Twitter
1: or Bruno right now. So no, no, no. <laughs> but okay,
0: I'll be done with that.
1: All right. Um, Tell since me a I went, story,
0: Tori. All right. So today I'm doing Pike Place Market in Seattle, Washington. So
1: wait, isn't that where the original Starbucks is? Yes. Yay! Okay. And actually
0: <laughs> they're the exception to a rule. Damn it. Okay. Because in Pike Place Market, there are no franchise or chain stores. That is against they have a little like bylaws. They won't let them in. Starbucks but
1: that's the original Starbucks, right. so Starbucks
0: gets the pass on it since they were actually and it wasn't where they were. They they moved. Locations, but it was still for like two years after they opened. Okay. But it's still right there. So the one in the market is technically the first one. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> My sources are legendsofamerica.com, pikeplacemarket.org, lonelyplanet.com, seattletimes.com, and seattlemet.com. It was open in 1907. Mm-hmm. It was. It is the oldest surviving um, continuously open market in the whole U.S. Cool. So, and it was, I I didn't realize the sheer fucking size of this place. It's like nine acres worth of shit. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, and there's like 10 something buildings. Okay. Probably more. I didn't count. I can pull a grog. Lots of sixes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was apparently successful even during the Great Depression. They did, however, have a problem later on during the internment camps oh, yeah. of World War II. A lot of their farmers weren't there.
1: <laughs> wonder why. Right.
0: Uh, no chain stores. Got Jay. that. It, apparently, they added the stalls in 1910. And to this day, there's like 200 vendors. Mm-hmm. That pay a certain amount every year, and you get seniority, but there are, like, tables. I did not realize. I thought everything was in place. They're not. There's 200-something vendors, and that Mm -hmm. includes, like, craftspeople, farmers, fishmongers, all that stuff. There Mm -hmm. are 170 stalls, which basically they rent these tables. Huh. So, in other words, they have to go set up and take down every day. Wow. Yeah. That, but there are, like, storefronts. Well, yeah. But there's, like, four or five levels of this thing, which I had no clue
1: about. Huh. They
0: call the basement – or the down under. <laughs> and there's three of those. Three basements? Yeah, well, three levels of basements. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, in 1918, City Fish uh, Company was it was Seattle's counter Mm
1: -hmm. to
0: rising fish costs. So the city put together a storefront that would have level costs. Huh. Yeah. Uh, In 1970, it uh, was 105, 1.5 acres Mm -hmm. of the market was put on the National Register of Historic Places more acreage came or got inducted later. Okay. In in 72. Apparently in 1973 there is an Oriental Market which has been under the same family ownership since they went in. Huh, right? Uh in 1973 Pike Place Market Preservation and Development Authority uh was created because apparently they since it was opened in 1907 a bunch of the um, buildings have had fires mm-hmm. or it was, had gotten run down, and the city was like, okay, we got to get rid of it. And apparently all of the Seattleites were like, eh, no, 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 we want to keep that. They won. Uh, there are several floors. The upper street level, which is a fishmonger produce craftsman, which rents tables, mm-hmm. and then there are storefronts below. Okay. There's also a shitload of like restaurants and other stuff that are permanently there. So it looks like it's the marketplace, which are mm-hmm. the tables, which I had no clue. I was just like, oh, they have – I imagine this place kind of like City Market. Yeah. I was wrong. Absolutely wrong. There are similarities on that top floor, mm-hmm. but since they're not permanent storefronts – Yeah. And it's like 35 bucks, I think, for a year. Huh. I'm sure there's probably a table rental, but that's how much it takes them to get in there. But once again, you have to – to maintain seniority, I think I had seen it said that you have to be there like two days out of every week. They do make exceptions for like holidays and vacations Mm -hmm. and shit, but you – they're basically making sure that somebody can't come in and farm it out to all these people Yeah, and – it make the folks like, oh, my God, I can't find the word. Contractors maybe mm-hmm. type thing. So it makes sure that one person does not get all these minions to go in there. The owners have to okay, be on yeah. pre- premises. Okay. And if it, they took all, care of all those, there's no way they'd be able to stay there. Mm-hmm. If you think about it. Which is actually kind of cool that they're actually promoting that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh also this one I didn't know either that same Pike Place Market um there's like a coalition type thing mm-hmm. what they do I didn't know this but it this is what happens they have a free clinic in the market cool they have a senior center huh in the market they have child care center they also have low, low income housing so there's yeah exactly also, there are two ginormous piggy banks, like we're talking knee height. Okay. Or maybe taller, of like these brass pigs. One of the pigs is named Rachel. <laughs> but what happens is the money that they collect in there goes towards these programs. And oh, cool. I had it like 60% of the low-cost housing people are – Um, have mental illness. So, in other words, they're taking care of their, like, Mm -hmm. vulnerable populations, which actually is way bigger than I thought. I was like, whoa, that's actually kind of cool. That is cool. There are 220-plus shops and restaurants. There are 150-plus craftspeople, 70-something farmers, 60 buskers, which you'll have – they sell permits. Mm Mm-hmm. And apparently they've got some of those people who have been coming there forever. Mm -hmm. Like apparently there was one, I can't even think of the name, but a balloon guy. Cool. But there's only, I will say with those kind of things, with the buskers and the performing people, Mm -hmm. in certain places, certain amounts of noise aren't allowed. So there are quiet areas where even like hand clapping can be too loud. So they keep... The noisier ones to the noisier sections of the market, okay. which I thought was—I mean, they're once again, their busking permits aren't that steep. I'm thinking, but yeah. it gives people a chance to do that. Um, also, there's the residents in affordable housing. The—it's the Pike Place Market Foundation, which is the one who takes care of all the low cost stuff with those folks, and their piggy banks are theirs. Christy, you know what else is there? What else is there? The world famous giant shoe museum. Oh. I, I, I put this in
1: just for her, y'all. We must go now. Okay, but
0: <laughs> it actually is it, its almost like a sideshow thing. There's a, uh, like you put a quarter in and you can look in the. I You guys can't see this, but I'm making gestures. Okay. It's like the sneak-a-peek machi- machines, uh-huh. and they're actual giant shoes, like Robert Wadlow's shoes, like gigundish shoes. Robert Wadlow was the world's tallest man. He was really famous. He was in Guinness, Book of World Records, but yeah. So they actual, the collection of giant shoes. Still shoes. Still shoes. So I figured I'd put that in there for you. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you ready for this boogie shit? <laughs> I know that. It Already? Was really, really short history okay, for me. because
1: my, whew, yeah.
0: <laughs> so the whole reason I, uh, like, landed on this topic that, once again, there's these Google searches that we do. And one of, like, most haunted places in America. This mm-hmm. came up, and I was like, no fucking way. Yes, fucking yes, way. Yes, fucking way. And, and one of these hauntings I already talked about.
1: Because it's older than shit.
0: Yeah. Okay. One of these hauntings I already talked about, mm-hmm. believe it or It was the Kiki So Blue. Okay. Who was the, um, oh, Dwalish? Is that the tribe? I, th- uh, Dwamish. Duwamish. Duwamish is the tribe that was around there Kiki Soblu which is actually Princess Angeline uh, she haunts the market and the whole reason she haunts the market is it is built on where her cabin is oh, or was wow. also this and this got brought up in several sites it, or it was the built on a indigenous people's burial ground which most of the time is a crock of shit mm-hmm. not going to lie most of the time but on this one, it very well could be, especially if uh, Kiki Soblu's cabin was on that property. And once again, it's nine acres. Mm-hmm. So it really could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Kiki Blue shows up and she in, ends up around where her um, cabin was. And at the center of the lower level. Apparently they had it an indigenous shaman er shaman 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 There we go Shaman Shaman, shaman. shaman. Oh my
1: God
0: <laughs> I even know how to say that word That was the worst part uh, please give me cut me a break, y'all. I'm like got migraine brain, so it I'm I'm having problems peopling today.
1: I don't even have migraine brain. I just have problems with
0: people. Well, I mean, <laughs> I do too, but yeah. Apparently a shaman tried to come in and exercise his place to get Kiki so blue out of there. Mm-hmm. Didn't fucking work, which makes me wonder if it's a an echo. Yeah. Rather than an intelligent haunting, because you can try and get rid of if you could make them go towards the light if it's an in-
1: if it's intelligent, yeah.
0: But if it's an echo, you're going to keep seeing There's it. You can't, you can't. They don't know, right? <laughs> so that's what I'm thinking. Maybe once again, not a professional paranormalist by any means, but I'm wondering if that's why. Yeah. It, it didn't take.
1: We can speculate. Yes, it. we can. Also, apparently, this uh,
0: there was a mortuary mm-hmm. that sat on the land too. Okay. We'll get to what we've got going on. I've got a couple. Like actually I can it doesn't matter. There are 19 plus ghosts associated with it. Cool. And apparently like I'm going to paraphrase, but one of the folks that they interviewed said, hey, "Yeah, and they're really fucking pissed off." Like almost that same language. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh the site of the mortuary mm-hmm. is where Kel's Irish Pub is. Hmm. And they have the suspender man
1: who wears suspenders and a newsboy cap. Can you touch this? Because I totally, I, I'd want to snap him. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently they think he's a, right, a former mor-
0: mortuary worker. And the mortuary was Butterworth and Sons. Uh, and, yeah, All so this is Spender, man.
1: Huh? All I can think of is syrup. <laughs> Fuck, dude, that took, me
0: a fit. <laughs> that took me a minute to figure out where you were going with this. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, no. Oh,
1: okay. Tori's but- migraines make her more t- neurotypical.
0: Oh. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so apparently there is a Mary Tales, like M-E-R-R, Tales toy store, and there's an eight to nine-year-old boy that hangs out in there who apparently perished from the Spanish flu.
1: Okay, look, if ghosts are a thing and I get to be a ghost, I want to come back and haunt a toy store. Just Wait. I'm gonna tell you the best part. He throws shit <laughs> a, at people. A children's toy store. Let me. <laughs> uh, he, yeah.
0: <laughs> so he throws things at people. He's one of the resident ghosts. I don't
1: want to come back as an eight or nine year old. And
0: right. Uh, Arthur. Throws Arth- shit at people. Arthur Goodwin, who apparently was a nephew of the original developer, and he was uh, part of the management when it first started. Right. Mm-hmm. He. To this day, people see him looking down from the library. Also, you can see him swinging a golf club in his <laughs> old office. Okay. And when I thought of that, all I could think of was Bioshock. <laughs> oh, my god! Would you kindly? <laughs> um, this is great. I thought this was fucking hysterical. Another ghost is the fat lady barber. So apparently in the 1950s, mm-hmm. this woman was a barber mm-hmm. and she would sing her customers lullabies to get them to go to sleep and then promptly pick their fucking pockets.
1: But I mean, at least it's, it's not a Sweeney, Sweeney Todd.
0: Todd. <laughs> I, my brain went there, too. Uh, apparently, she fell to her death when the floor collapsed. And uh, maintenance folks can hear in the middle of the night her singing lullabies. Mm. Creeptastic? I think so. Mm -hmm. Very much so. In the bead emporium, there is another little boy who will open the cash register, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: will hit the button so it dings. They also – that same ghost has uh, been – Known to haunt the puppet store or the puppet shop,
1: no, no. Plays
0: with the marionettes, like no, no. Can we get creepy? No, no. As fuck. No, no. Uh, Stella's magic shop. Apparently, there is Madame Nora who is attached to a crystal ball. Story with this crystal ball is somebody went to another store, which is called Pharaoh's Treasure, and tried to sell this crystal ball and said, "Hey." Just so you know.
1: There's something attached to it. There's
0: something attached to it. And they're like, eh, whatever. Well, it moved to Stella's Magic Shop, but apparently this ghost gets up to shenanigans in those two places. There is Shenanigans. Yeah. There's a – I think it's a Greek restaurant called Mr. D's. Okay. They have a walk-in freezer that some of their staff does not want to go into because apparently – There's ghosts that end up having, like, a fight in said freezer. Now, would that not be horrifying to open the walk-in freezer and two people fighting in the middle of the freezer? Number one.
1: Slimer in the.
0: Yeah. Number one, (laughs) it would be like, how the fuck did they get in there and be like, why are they fighting in the freezer? Like, I could find much better places for this to go. You'll like this one. There is a store called Shakespeare and Company Bookstore.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, Shakespeare and there's Shakespeare and Company in New York too. Yeah.
0: Apparently, the same book they would when they came in the morning, the same book would be on the floor. So whoever it was, this ghost would make sure to pull it out of the stacks and throw it on the floor. Eventually, they did get rid of the book. So, huh? Yeah. There is a bar called the Alibi Room. And outside of their bathroom, there is a tall elderly man who introduces himself by name. His name is Frank. And then promptly (laughs) dis-a-fucking-pears.
1: Okay. want to see a magic trick. Right.
0: Uh, In the market theater office, Mm -hmm. they can smell. And literally what it said was old lady perfume. Good. So everybody and their brother can smell that smell because it was like, oh, baby powder and something else. Yeah, gross. Uh, Avenue One, which mm-hmm. I think is a bar. Christy, the ghost gets really shitty and hurls wine bottles at people's heads. There's also, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's also Thanks, apparently, ghost. right? There's apparently a, um. these folks at one of the, like, the haunting seems to be kind of hooked to one of the booths in the back. Mm-hmm. Also, it's other places, but it seems to be concentrated there. And these patrons were sitting there like poking the bear type thing and like mm-hmm. aggravating, aggravating, aggravating. Don't
1: don't poke the bear.
0: Don't poke shit with a stick unless mm-hmm. you, you want it to turn around, grab the stick and whack you with it. It apparently dropped a huge chunk. Of the ceiling on the table. And they said, well, there was a ceiling problem. Okay. <laughs> Apparently. Right. <laughs> uh, so this is, once again, it's huge, shitloads of ghosts. They've set one of the most haunted places on the West Coast. Huh. And that is Pike Place Market.
1: Fun. <laughs> okay. Mine is not as fun. And then I couldn't find spooky shit to go with it, but it was on all the like. Haunted Paris stuff, okay. But it's actually a story about a serial killer, so it's more true crime than it is. Oh, that's okay. Um, but it is creepy and the and other podcasts have done like a much deeper dive on this. Well, food. yeah, we we are um, not. But we're, yeah, we're not that guy. One, but one of the podcasts I listened to was I just be, so I could figure out how to say his name correctly and not butcher all mm-hmm. the French like I've been doing. It, uh, medical medical murders. Okay. Um and they did a two part okay episode on him. The huge deep dive. So they they've got more details on this guy. So I would go if you want like the deep dive, go listen to them.
0: We're Cliff's notes.
1: Yeah, we're we're definitely Cliff's notes. So I'm gonna talk about um Dr. Satan or Marcel Petio. Okay, Dr. Satan works. Yeah. Um my sources are CVLtnation.com, which I think is supposed to be cultnation.com, but I can't say it that way because it's got a V in it. Um <laughs> com. I know. Uh-huh. Okay. Content.time.com, which was really cool because that this it was the actual article from Time magazine. Back in the day when this happened, oh, cool, Stu FrancisWay.com, dot com, and the Paranormal com. Okay, okay, so Marcel Petio, aka Dr. Satan, uh, he's been called a real life doc- Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He was born January 17th, 1897, in Auxerre, France. He showed like an early tendency for violence and inappropriate sexual behavior. So, at age, oh goodness, age eleven, he brought Excuse his me. father's gun to school and fired it in class, and awesome propositioned a fellow male student for sex. This was age eleven. Okay, so he caught the attention of school authorities. There, there were a couple more incidents, um, and he was eventually expelled. When Fair. he was a teenager. He was charged with theft and damage to public property when he robbed a post box at age 17. The recommended sent- sentence at that time was a psychiatric evaluation. The psychiatrist found him to be suffering from mental illness, so the charges were dropped. Okay. He joined the French Army. He was either drafted or actually signed up for the French Army in World War One. Ugh. Oh. He was uh, wounded at the Second Battle of the, I'm going to not say this right, second battle of the AISNE, I I have no idea. In 1917, he was assessed to be mentally ill, sent for treatment, and he was arrested for theft of army blankets, morphine, and personal items from other recuperating servicemen. Oh, awesome. The charges were dropped because of his mental health status. Oh, Lord. He was diagnosed with mental disequilibrium, neurasthenia, mental mental depression, melancholia, obsessions, and phobias. And he was sent to a psychiatric ward for treatment. He was sent back to the front in 1918, shot himself in the foot, got transferred to another regimen for some after some leave, and then that regimen sent him for another psychiatric evaluation in 1919. Jesus. Where he was discharged from duty, and the report recommended that he be sent to an asylum. Now, I found out through medical murders, he refused. Oh, well, yeah. He refused to be sent to the asylum. He was done with the psychiatric people, like... Fuck it. Um, So instead, he was admitted to an accelerated education program, earned his medical degree, and began to practice medicine. Wait. Yeah, something with this equation seems
0: <laughs> very, very wrong. Uh huh. I'm sure you're going to tell me why it is very, very it's wrong. Very, for your very second.
1: Very wrong. All right, hit it. So he lived in the village of Villeneuve-sur-Yonne. He was really charming, charmed new patients. He was a young doctor. They had two mm-hmm. old doctors in the. But it was quickly found out that he was prescribing large amounts of narcotics, like over the recommended dose of narcotics to his patients, like and they were getting addicted. He also would apply for state medical assistance for many of his patients without their knowledge. So he would receive payment from the patients themselves and from the state. And pocket it. Every time he treated them. Yes. In 1926, he began an affair with Louise Delaveau, who was a patient's daughter, She disappeared under suspicious circumstances. Oh, my God. this is great. Neighbors reported seeing him put a large trunk in his car, and it looked amazingly like a trunk that they found filled with the body parts of an unidentified woman who had been decapitated, by the way, that police had pulled from the Yon River a few weeks after she disappeared. What the fuck? However, police claimed that this was just a coincidence, and logged her as a runaway. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So after that, he won the mayorship of Villeneuve-Soyon. And in 1927, he married Georgette Leblay. They had a son the following year, who they named Gerhardt. He was accused of stealing taxpayer money and cans of oil from the railroad department, or the railroad depot. He was fined and sentenced to three months in prison, which was overturned on appeal, but he was suspended from office for four months. And then he was officially removed from office in 1931. Okay. A month or so later, he won a general council seat for the Yon district. He was the youngest man ever to sit in that office. And he <laughs> was charged with the theft of electrical power from Villeneuve-sur-Yon, Villeneuve-sur-Yon, and fined and lost his seat, which was okay because he had already moved to Paris at this point. so this guy he's a peach to begin with right sounds like absolute peach thief just you know really stand up person in the exactly who you want to be
0: in office yes
1: so in 1933 he's living in Paris he built a successful medical practice he lived and practiced on rue Carmatin. He became a doctor with an impeccable reputation, although rumors did fly around that he was prescribing to addicts and performing (sighs) abortions, which at the time was a big no-no. Right, right, right. He was arrested for theft and assault on a police officer, but was acquitted because of insanity. He spent a few months in a sanitarium, and then he was released even though doctors doubted his sanity. (sighs) He repeatedly committed tax fraud. But he was only charged and fined. People. ah, <laughs> oh! Wow. And then Just in comes wow. 1939. And what happened in 1939? Germany invaded France. Okay. At that point, he established himself as a member of the resistance. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, And he began providing false medical records for French citizens who were forced into German labor camps, and he was treating sick workers who returned. He dodged the forced 1940 German draft of French French civilians by forging disability certificates, (sighs) which at that time, there were so many people doing stuff like that to keep people safe, like... You can't, you kind of can't blame the guy for taking the opportunity. No. Um, In 1941, he purchased the building at 21 Rue Le Seur to use as his laboratory. He was charged and convicted of overprescribing narcotics in 1942, paid a fine. That was it. (laughs) At that point, though, he took on the alias of Dr. Eugene. And he set up a false escape network for resistance fighters, Jews, and criminals looking to escape the Gestapo. At this point, too, like, gangsters, prostitutes, Mm -hmm. criminals, like, and they said even a six-year-old sought out the doctor for travel assistance. And he told them that for 25,000 francs, he could provide passage to South America. That he was working Mm -hmm. with the... Argentinian government and yeah, so and hang on. Somewhere I have the name of the what he called his his contact Fly Talks or some yeah okay. Fly Talks was okay. his organization was the organization what he called his organization okay oh I forgot at some point he also claimed he developed secret weapons that killed Germans without leaving for forensic evidence. <sighs> <laughs> So this guy was a piece. Oh my God! Just let it go, dude. You're so. Here's what really would happen. Uh huh. These people would pay their money. They would come to see him to get the inoculations that they needed, as required by the Argentine government. Hmm. At which point he would inject them with cyanide, chain them to a wall of a soundproof death chamber that he had built into the building. At 21 Rue de Sur. Oh, my God. Watched them die for uh, people. What? Stole all their money and possessions, and then would dispose of their bodies. Originally, it was, he would dispose of them in the Seine River. Um, figured out that that wasn't the best way to get rid of them. So then he would use quicklime, bury them, or incinerate them. 1943, Gestapo mm. agent Robert Yodkum forced a, forced prisoner Yvonne Dreyfus to approach the escape network. Um, Yvonne vanished. Okay. The Gestapo arrested Petio and his accomplices. So he, they arrested Petio, his wife and three accomplices, jailed them. And then the accomplices were tortured and under the torture, they confessed that Dr. Eugene was Marcel Pettiot. But for some reason, he was released. The fuck? Yeah. So, on March 11th, 1944, there were complaints of a disgusting smell and smoke coming from his practice at Rue hmm The Parisian police got there. It was actually Parisian police and firemen because when the police got there, they were afraid that the house was on fire. There was a note on the door saying that the owner was going to be gone on Mm -hmm. vacation for a month because, you know, everybody was vacationing in the middle of war. Um, And the Parisian police found at least 10 bodies buried in his basement. They found a bag holding two human heads and a mutilated leg. Another bag stuck with a cloven corpse. Don't – I didn't even look up what that meant. Um, Four charred female bodies in the furnace. They found assorted limbs and 30 pairs of women's shoes in the closet. And the residue of 13 cadavers in the lime pit. There was a lime pit in this guy's courtyard. And then there was another one, like, in the stable.
0: This is reminiscent of H.H. Holmes.
1: Like, no shit. Right. Especially right? the chain them to
0: the wall in uh-huh. the
1: soundproof room and uh-huh. then, And had, like, the little yeah, people yeah, so you could watch them. Yeah. yeah. Like, they showed pictures. Like, one of the articles showed pictures of the... Like, he had, like, a spyglass thing that he used. No, this straight up. Like, yeah, it, yeah, straight up, this is remnants. So, at his residence at Rue Camarten, um, they found a bunch of empty suitcases, clothing... And personal property of the victims. And his wife had been wearing jewelry from these victims, thinking that it was just payment that her her husband had collected for his medical services. Gross. So, it's estimated that his earnings from this Uh totaled 200 million francs. Oh, Jesus. When they originally talked to him, so they find this, he owned the building. They find this... Note on the building that says, you know, we're not going to be here for a month. We're da da da, da, da. They contact him somehow. And he's like, oh, I'll be there to unlock the door for you. Right. He never shows up. Well, of course not. So, of course, they go in. Then when he does show up, he pretends to not be the owner. He pretends to be a relative of the owner. So they let him go. Oh my! These are shades of <laughs> Herman Webster Mudgett, right? He went into hiding. Oh, not only that. When they did catch him, he told them that the bodies that were there were bodies belonging to traitors and Germans, and that he had no idea they were buried in his basement. How did you know that they're that it was traitors? From the re- because it was for it had to have been the people that he was working with that were from the resistance.
0: But once again, how did you know they're traitors and Germans other than just bodies in your fucking basement? Yep. And how do you not notice? Yeah. You had shoes
1: and <laughs> limbs
0: in a closet, dude.
1: Right? And you have empty suits. Anyway, so he went into hiding. Um, he was living with some of his more patients, his more no, snowed patients, I guess. No. He changed his name to Henri Valery. <laughs> this is great. Joined the French forces of the interior. Again. Oh my god. <laughs> Rose to the rank of captain quickly.
0: Dude. Wait, it gets
1: better. Then a newspaper called the La Resistance ran a story about Petiot. Accused him of collaborating with German occupiers, which he didn't, but he still was doing shady shit. And then police resumed their search for him. They drafted Henri Valerie to find him. Dude. 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 I had to read that like three times to be like, did they really? Did they really? On October 31st, 1944, somebody recognized him, and he was r- arrested in the Paris Metro. hmm He had a pistol, large sums of money, and 50 different sets of identity papers on him when he was arrested. His defense hinged on the claim of him being a resistance fighter. He admitted to killing enemies of France, claimed he had no knowledge of how the berries- bodies were buried in his house, claimed that the <coughs> members of his Fly Talks organization must have killed them and buried them there. The problem is all of the organizations that he said that he was part of in the in the resistance don't exist. Never existed. Oh Jesus. They were contacting people that they knew were in the resistance and they're like, "Oh uh, no." No. The judge didn't buy it. So, he was charged with 27 murders and uh he claimed to have killed 63 German collaborators between 1940 and 1945, which he was arrested in 1944. So I'm not sure how that worked. There was a lot of this, like he was found guilty of 27 murders and 99 other criminal charges. He fell asleep in the middle of his trial, by the way. Yeah, and was sentenced to death by guillotine. (gasps) Huh. So, on May 25th, 1945, he was killed by decapitation. Uh Uh-huh. His last words are, gentlemen, I ask you not to look. This will not be very pretty. And witnesses reported that his face was still smiling when it fell into the basket.
0: Gross. Gross. So,
1: in 1952... Double gross. The... Original building at Rue Seu mm-hmm. was demolished brick by brick, except for the basement. So you would <sighs> think there would be, like, oh, there's all these, like, hauntings and stuff. Nothing. Nothing. This this is where the story ends. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, but you can see it, like, there, the... um if you look online and you look up the building, like a lot of, they'll they'll show the pictures of the two buildings on the other side because uh-huh. they're the original architecture of the area, and then twenty one is vastly different than the two buildings on the other right. side of it, so it kind of sticks out. Um, so yeah, that that is dude, like Marcel Petio. Serious, right? And this is why we don't do cr- true crime Ugh. that often. That was, oh god, Ugh. yeah. But but was that one you d- a, a serial killer you hadn't heard of? Yes, well, there actually, you go. Hey. actually, that's one of the ones where I'm mm-hmm. like, I have
0: no clue where this is going. No, because he's like seriously. There's a shitload of points that are like uh, H. A. Holmes for sure,
1: right? Well, and like. He was a, he was apparently incredibly intelligent. He was incredibly charming, you know, the so, sociopaths are. Yeah. and so but it also makes me wonder and not that it, not that this is excuse an excuse. Um, it's kind of an but it would give an explanation. I also kind of wonder what happened to him in his childhood that at age eleven, he was sexually propositioning other students and like the medical murders pod podcast was saying that he was taking like pornographic images to school and, but like he's age 11, like who, what happened to him before that, that, because that's not just, that's That's not, Behavior that
0: is come standard, no. No.
1: And they did talk a little bit on the podcast about him um his parents finding him harming animals and stuff like that. That is kind did of he that start like
0: fires too.
1: Um, I don't know. But like, so there is all that, like, all those signs of sociopathy, but like what happened to him that that and again, it's not an excuse. I wonder if he had some sort of head trauma, too. I wonder. I, I, and it, it just makes you... You know? It's not normal for somebody to shoot themselves in the foot. No. It's not normal. It's it, like... And I understand that the psychiatric treatments at the time were torturous. Nobody's going to want psych treatment like that. Mm-mm. Especially if they're like... Able to maintain some of their right intelligence and discernment through all of that. Like I' still, f- but I'm that, so fucked like, up. How, like, over and over and over again, they're like get away dude with this criminally insane.
0: But gets away with it. Gets away with it. Gets away then with he can it. La-
1: so was it the laws at the time? Like I, I didn't look too much into the laws and. and France, you know, because like, like here, if we know somebody is going to be a, potentially a harm to somebody else, that there, there are things that you can do to have them. Committed. Committed. And And they can't just check themselves out.
0: No, there are three, there's three ways to get in the state of Indiana. And I know this one for sure. (laughs) There are three designations that will get you. We'll get the judge to grant a commitment. And there are regular commitments, there's ICST commitments, Mm -hmm. and then there's temporary. Okay? Three criteria. It doesn't have to be all of them. It can be all of them, but it has to be at least one. And it's danger to self, danger to others, or gravely disabled. I would say, I think that the danger to others and even shooting himself in the foot would give him a dangerous to self.
1: Yeah. So I don't, again, was it just, that was the laws of the land that it was like.
0: I have no clue, but uh, yeah, that would have gotten him locked up.
1: Yeah. Because we know here, like, all you had to do was look at somebody cross-eyed at that, in that. Time period, mm-hmm. and they could be like, "Oh, we're gonna have you committed." It- <laughs> right? I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Well,
0: and and in all honesty, I'm, I I can say this the hundred percent because it is the criminal justice system is so fucked up when it well, comes um, to folks. It's it's fucked up, period. But yeah. it is not built to handle people who have mental illness. Mm-mm. Not at all. No. The system is fucked. And I have a feeling it's been that way since the dawn of time.
1: Yeah. Because we're –
0: He – honestly, he seems like he needed to be But
1: devil's advocate, we just don't – yeah, I mean, he needed to be locked away. He yeah, was definitely he needed, criminally nope. insane. But, like – but he's the kind of person that – that is, like – Chicken or egg? Yeah. You know, but... Did he do this because or was he because? Yeah. And, but it's also like, you know, you and I are both diagnosed with things that are considered neuroses. At one point, one of your diagnoses was considered <laughs> a psychosis. A psychosis. Yeah, no. Um. Like... That it's part of the problem with with mental health, and I say, then we're going off on a tangent, and I'm sorry, guys. That, but they'll survive. It's part of the problem with mental health is that you don't necessarily fit into a box, a certain criteria. Like you're, <laughs> you can be bipolar and not be dangerous. You can yeah. be. You know, you can be depressed and not be suicidal. You can be—it's all mental health is a—it's a, it's a spectrum. spectrum, and that is the hardest. I think that makes it hard for people who are trying to get help for mental health because not because even oh, though you must not be that yeah, sick even the professionals oh you don't have adhd because you're doing well in school oh you don't have autism because you didn't like you weren't aware of any of this stuff until you were an adult you you don't have this or that I,
0: even people close to me automatically assume i have bipolar too
1: so it's the it's the i don't know it's the the it's a constant issue with mental health that we don't know what we don't know. And then when the information comes out and you know the information that sometimes even the professionals don't know the information. Yeah. So it makes it really hard to get treated for the things that are actually affecting your life as part of your mental illness or as part of your disability when Not even the professional, the Mm -hmm. people that are supposed to be able to help you fully understand what's going on. It also doesn't help that most of the research that is still done with patients are still done solely on white males. And the presentations happen differently in AFAB and AMAB. They just do. Yep. So it, I just – Well, and, and I will say this. I will say this. Soapbox done. But. Yeah, and,
0: and I will say this. Nowadays, for some of the – it's gotten better. Nowadays, for a lot of the uh, mental illness diagnoses, uh, have a list of criteria. Mm-hmm. And you only have to have so many before they're like, all right, this is it. Unfortunately, once again, a lot of those overlap, and mm-hmm. unless you see the biggest pic- big picture, you might end up with, oh, you have this, and that is completely wrong. Yeah. Because for the longest time, I was diagnosed with depression, which was mm-hmm. way the fuck incorrect. Okay. But once again, you only – yeah, it, that whole new – the system is broken. The system is evolving, but it, that kind of stuff – If you can mask, you won't get the right diagnosis. And some of us have been masking a lot of things since we were little because we learned, oh, not everybody's like that. Let's be like Mm -hmm. everybody else, whether that's healthy or not. Yeah. So, all right. We'll be back next week with stories. (laughs)
1: shit. I'll try to find one that doesn't send us off on a tangent. Oh, I'm going to find some (sighs) ghosts in a cemetery. Actually, no.
0: I know it's next week. I'm going to do some French cemeteries for you.
1: You Ah, stay away from the French cemeteries. Okay. (laughs) Can I do the catacombs then? You can do the catacombs. Okay. Stay away from the French cemeteries. I will stay away
0: from the French cemeteries.
1: Because I'm saving one for your birthday. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. Then maybe I'll go. I've got some...
0: Wonder if there's some in Germany or something. There
1: probably are. I'm, yeah. I've got some. I may do Versailles. Oh, cool. Next week, maybe if I've got time to. So I'm trying to think of. Yeah. All
0: right. (laughs) All right. As we sit here and spitball with stuff that you will absolutely be like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Mark has played through this. (laughs) Mark has played. Delete. (laughs) Download. Oh Not gonna God. lie, that's I'm sure half of these people have done right. that exact fucking thing. Yep. All right. Bay <laughs> We are all the captains of our own brain floats.